Okay, we're going to get started. Just a quick review. I think it's good to review every week. Remember, there's four keys to being an effective witness. I'm not saying these are the only things, but these are, these are really huge. God's called you, if you're a Christian, to help other people come to Jesus Christ. Do you remember these four keys? Number one is your own per- personal relationship to the pastor, right? To Jesus, to Christ. It's your, your number one, your own relationship to Christ. Do you know why so many people who profess to be Christians never win anybody to Christ? Because they're not Christians. Or their own relationship to Christ is not good. Your own relationship to Christ. It, you have to be filled with the Spirit to help people come to Christ. You, you, you do. Number two, properly understanding salvation. You can't help somebody find something that that you don't know, you can't explain, you can't walk them through. Don't have to be a Bible scholar. Properly understanding salvation. Number three, understanding man's lost condition. We are gender neutral here at First Baptist, so that men could be women's lost condition. It's gender inclusive. Understanding gender inclusive people's lost condition, right? It's, man is for everybody. Man, woman, everybody. We're all understanding our condition without Christ. And number four, prayer. The reason that, that you're going to be effective at helping people come to Christ, uh, a fourth thing is that you're praying. You're praying. You have an own strong relationship with Christ. You're praying for people who don't know Jesus. There's four parts to your personal testimony. We've gone over those. Somebody holler out, what's number one? My life before Christ. You have not always been a Christian. You were not born a Christian. You may have been born an American or a European or whatever, but you, you were not born a Christian. Your life before Christ. What's number two? How I realized I needed Christ. What got your attention? Something got your attention. Number three. What's number three? How I became a Christian, Right? Well, I went to church, and I signed a card, and I became a Christian. Uh, God will gong you if that's your answer someday. You, how many of you know being gonged by God, if you're old enough to remember the gong show, would be bad, right? How many of you remember the gong show? Don't you wish we had that in church? Sermon gets bad. Bing. Wouldn't that be? Uh, no, that would not be good. So, and what's number four? My life after I've received Christ. Christ makes a difference in our life. Okay, we're going we're gonna to walk through quickly our memory verses for these last weeks with the Romans Road, okay? So, Jamie, Lindsay, whoever's up there, I think that's Lindsay. Uh, before you put the verse up, let's see if any, uh, if they knew. Our first memory verse, first part of the Romans Road is Romans 3.23. What does it say? For all have sinned. You can put that on the screen now. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if, if the word sin means to miss the mark with God, we judge people missing the mark by being a mass murderer. Mass murderers have missed the mark with God. Would you agree with that? <laughs> okay. If you've lied, you've missed the mark with God, right? So we've all sinned. The, the next verse is Romans 6.23, and we, we kind of split these up because these, Romans 6.23 says two different things. It says, we're talking to people through the book of Romans, and we say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23a says, for 
The wages of sin is death. It, it, it matters not how religious you are, Baptist you are, Methodist you are. Without Christ, you are lost. And the wages, the price for that is death. But, verse 23b says, but the... Okay, so you're walking someone through the Romans road, right? And you say, hey, look, we've all sinned. And if they question whether they've sinned or not, say, give me your spouse's phone number. Right? Or your kids or your parents, whoever. And the wages of sin is death, and that's bad. But the, the, always a sermon in the Scriptures never needs to end on a negative note because there's always a positive. God's destiny for you, hopefully, God's will for you is that you be saved. And so the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. What's the next verse? Romans 5, 8. Does anyone dare know this one? Wayne's either got that written behind me somewhere or he knows it well because he spit it out. Let's say it together. But God poured us while we were. That is a verse you need to learn. You need to learn them all. How many of you are glad that God didn't wait till you got cleaned up? before he wanted to reach you. How many of you have ever heard this? I'm, I want to come to Christ, but I just need to get some things straight first. Have you ever heard that? You'll never come to Christ. That's the cool thing about Jesus. He doesn't tell you to get pretty and come to him. He says, come the way you are. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. You're telling somebody that. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Let's go ahead and put those up, and we'll say those together, because they, I, I, God may believe it, but I don't know if everybody knows these. Read these with me because if you confess, you will be saved. For with the heart, are those significant? Yeah. So you're, you're walking through somebody through these, and you don't even need your Bible because you come to First Baptist and you've learned these, right? But if you have to use your Bible, who cares? That's fine. You let somebody look at these with you. You show them to you. And then, then the kicker is Romans 10, 13. Who knows Romans 10, 13? Ah, too late. Close your eyes quickly. Who, for. All right. How many of you are part of everyone? If you're not, please see me after church. We need to get you in counseling. You are part of everyone. So you learn these verses. This is called the Roman road to witnessing. This is a great tool to use to help people come to Christ. Our John 3 approach, real quickly, we'll review that. Remember the KISS approach. How many remember the KISS approach? And we, we, we changed it a little bit. It's keep it simple, but we didn't like the word stupid, so we were going to put the word simpleton there, right? Keep it simple. Keep it super simple. KISS. Some of you need to hear this. When you are sharing Christ with someone, it is not the time to show them how much you know. It is not the time to. I see some people quote Scripture like they're in a Bible drill memory contest. That's great at a Bible drill memory contest. It's not necessary at the ball game. Keep it simple. Keep it super simple. Keep it simple simpleton, right, or whatever. John 3, what's the next verse there? John 3, 3. You know what that says? Put it on the screens, please. 
Jesus answered, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, born again is being, that's a Baptist word, isn't it? Only if the, the Bible is a Baptist book. And the Bible is a Methodist book, a Baptist book, a Presbyterian book, a non-denominational book, a Catholic book. Amen? So being born again is how you become a Christian. John 3, what? 15. John 15. Here's a great one. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. How many of you are whoever? How many of you know somebody right now, and you're not being judgmental, but they're far from God, and you just wonder, man. Believe you me, somebody may have said about you at one point. I don't know if they'll ever be saved. (laughs) But whoever, whoever believes in Jesus. John, what comes after 15? 16. And John, let's say John 3, 16 out loud with me. It's a lot. This is the gospel in a nutshell. In your notes there, it's the gospel in a nutshell. If you only learn one verse your whole life, learn John 3, 16. The word world that's used several times means the sum total of individuals here. We jump out of John 3, if you remember, for one verse. It's John 1 what? Does anybody remember? This is why we're reviewing these, obviously. John 1, 12. Brenda, where are you? Kenny, today, I, Brenda wanted to see these. I said, Brenda, we went over these last week. You don't remember them? Brenda, feel good. No one else does either, okay? John 1, 12 says, but to all who, read that with me. Faith in Christ, that verse sums it up so well. Reggie, to believe in Christ, not only is intellectually, but it's hard, isn't it? So you're you're believing in Jesus and you're receiving him. That's a great verse, isn't it? Very, very clear. John 3.16, I say this is the beautiful cousin of John 3.16. Go ahead and put it on the board uh, if you would. But but it doesn't get a lot of play because John 3.16 overshadows it. Read this out loud with me. For God did not send his son... Is that not great? How many of you like that? Would you rather it say God sent Jesus to condemn the world, not to save it? (laughs) Three times in that one verse that uses the word world. When When you're looking in the mirror tonight or when you're talking to somebody you know about their eternal destiny, you can tell them Jesus Christ did not come to condemn you. He came to save you. And John 3.18 is not totally pretty, but it's important. John 3.18, 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Wow. In other words, that you need to make a choice when you're talking to somebody about coming to Christ. Or if you're, if you're not a Christian this evening, you need to make a choice because we stand we stand as either lost or saved, and, and you need to make that choice. Next week, actually, it'll be two weeks before we meet again, we're going to give you a bookmark with those John verses on there and the, the sinner's prayer that we're fixing to go over uh, on the back of that, too. We've got the Bible verses for Romans we'll give you in a moment. But tonight, 
we're going to look at how to lead someone through the sinner's prayer. How many of you have heard the term sinner's prayer before? Are you familiar? You familiar with that term? Not many of you? Really? Look, we're doing it again, sheeps and goats. How many of y'all have heard sinner's prayer? Raise your hand. I'm going to have you come up here and you'll be my guinea pig in a moment. In the Bible, who's the good guys, the sheeps or the goats? The sheep. Obviously, now who's, who's on my right? The, the sheep. So it's it, Jesus' right hand and left hand, right? So, okay. I want us to look at three things about the sinner's prayer. The first thing is the what. The what in your notes. What, what is the sinner's prayer? The sinner's prayer is a compilation of scriptures that some preacher or somebody years ago brought together to simplify how to help someone come to Jesus Christ. Guys, listen. This is super important. If you don't think this is important, and I'm not saying any of you don't, but if someone doesn't, then you simply don't understand personal evangelism at all, or you have, no, you have zero experience in it. This is, this is very, very important. There's, there's three, three parts to the sinner's prayer. If you can remember this, you can help somebody come to Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you in a minute why it's so important to be able to do this. It's, it's not enough that we have fire extinguishers around the church. Somebody needs to know how to use them, Right? You agree? Okay. We all die from smoke inhalation with nice fire extinguishers on the wall because we met the standard for the city. You need to know how to use them. Here's the first thing. Admit. A, B, C. This is easy. Admit. I'm helping someone come to Christ. I want them. They need to admit. Romans 3.23 says what, Greg, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I didn't put this in the notes, and I'm sorry, so you might write this in. A person needs to admit to Jesus they are a sinner. They need to admit to Jesus, not to me, not to you, that they're a sinner. And to tell God they want to repent of their sins. You might write the word repent besides that. Hey, when could this matter? It could matter this week when you're at the hospital, ICU, next to a loved one who doesn't know Christ, who's ready to give their life to Jesus. Man, call me. I'll get down there as soon as I can. might be too late. You need to know how to do this. I always love doing this with kids. What comes after A in the alphabet, Penny? B, believe, believe. To become a Christian, I have to admit to Christ I'm a sinner. And then I want to repent of my sins. But then I need to believe some things about Jesus, correct? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou will confess with thy mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart man believes unto righteousness. See, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to be saved, but you have to be willing to accept by faith that Jesus is God's son and that he died and he arose. Are y'all with me? Believe. A, B, believe. And number C is commit. You're asking a person, you're going to lead a person to commit their life to Jesus Christ. That's what faith in Christ is. It's repenting, it's intellectual acceptance, and it's a commitment of your life to Christ. The verses that I have here are Romans 10, 9, and 10. We've been over several times tonight. 
Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then the, besides that, John 1, 12. John 1, 12. Those who believe in him and receive him. Here's something in Bible school and with kids we figured out. That next blank where you see with the C, we, we use the C for commit and or a G for give. What we found out when we're talking to kids, kids are very literal. And so when you talk about committing your life to Christ, they don't understand that. But when we talk to them about giving your life to Jesus, giving yourself to Jesus, they seem to understand. Does that make sense? I don't think there's a difference in committing your life to Christ and giving your life to Christ. Would you all agree with that? You say that's the same thing? So keep this in mind. Now, here's the why. The why. This is important. The why. Why do we do this? Several years ago, in our Southern Baptist Convention, there was a little bit of controversy about the sinner's prayer. Uh, a pastor or two made the comment that this shouldn't, this, this is not how people are saved and this is inappropriate. And the uproar, in my opinion, was, was very righteous in saying that's wrong to say that. And I will tell you in a moment why I think that being said, saying, saying words after a preacher are, after, is not going to save you. Do you agree with that? But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater either. And this was by a guy named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. How many of you have heard preachers quote Spurgeon? He was a European-English preacher in the 1800s. Spurgeon, this was in the 1800s, said, so long before the Southern Baptist Convention had any controversy, Spurgeon said one evening, before you leave this place, breathe an earnest prayer to God saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, I need to be saved. Save me. I call upon your name. And then he said, join with me in this prayer. I entreat you. Join with me while I put words into your mouth and speak them on your behalf. Lord, I'm guilty. I deserve your wrath. Lord, I can't save myself. I cast myself wholly, completely upon thee. And I trust your blood and righteousness to save me. This last year at the Southern Baptist Convention, our convention and our church is a part of that. We had an evangelism task force that came out with 10 or 12 things. Personal evangelism is personal sharing of your faith. And one of the things they did is they said, we recommend and believe and support the use of a sinner's prayer. We don't think saying words after someone saves you, but praying and asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior Either he is true to his word and he will do that, or he's not true to his word. Amen? I hope you agree. Let me tell you what's happened with me a number of times. I'll be talking to somebody who's ready to give their life to Christ. And I'm talking about adults, not even kids. Kids, it's always this way. But adults. Not every time, but a lot of times. I'm remembering back in 2002, this is somebody in Texas, you don't know. I was 37, 38, they were 35, been in church their whole life. She was ready to get saved. We talked, we walked through the scriptures, 
And I, I asked her, are you ready to do this? She said, absolutely. And then she looked at me. She kind of teared up. And she goes, but I have no idea what to do. And I said to her, I said, look, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray a prayer to Jesus. And I want you to pray with me. And I would encourage you, always say this to people. My words aren't going to save you. Saying this isn't going to save you. Saying it sincerely to Jesus, he will save you. She prayed with me that day. And I baptized her two weeks later. A few years shortly after that, we came to Rust. And a few years later, her husband got saved. We were back there last year, 14 years later. And she was super active leader in that church. I was saved when I got on my knees and prayed a sinner's prayer at 19. I would ask tonight, you, you may have, your, your experience may be different, but how many of you can remember praying some type of a sinner's prayer and you look back at that time as when Jesus saved you? Do we have people in here that experience that? Amen. Amen. So, don't listen to somebody that tells you that's wrong because they're wrong. What I just gave you, look it up with the verses. The how is the next thing. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this and, and the, the, the why and the how. The why and the how go together. The why, why are we doing it and how we do it go together. I want to remind you again, keep it simple, simpleton. I'm not trying to call you a simpleton on purpose, but we use the other S word, the stew word, and that's not a good word anymore, but that used to be. Jeremy McGee, you're leading somebody through the sinner's prayer, and you've done this. You don't want to be complicated, do you? I have seen this happen, and it's, it's, it's funny, and it's sad. I've seen some really good evangelistic preachers who made their living doing revivals and who did a great job, and they would have a ton of people at the altar. And, and they're going to lead those people to pray to give their life to Christ, and they prayed a very complicated prayer. Have you ever, have you, you ever seen that happen? Like, I've, I've heard them say, okay, I want you to repeat after me to Jesus. And they'd go through it well. Listen, this is not my words. It's re- and they'd, they'd, they'd do something like this. I want you to repeat after me. You got these people down here scared to death, nervous, under conviction. Nothing. And they'd say, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. I confess to you I'm a sinner. I want to repent of my sins. I know I'm a rotten person. I know the blood of Jesus Christ will forgive me. Repeat that. Now, Jesus, I believe you're God's son and you died on the cross and you shed your blood for me and you vicariously died for me and you're the atoning sacrifice for my sins. Now, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me right now. Help me to understand the book of Revelation. Save me. Forgive me. Come into my life. Repeat that. And those people are sitting there going, don't complicate the message. If you want complications, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and read John 3 tonight. Did Jesus complicate it? Why do we, why do we associate complication with, with something of high weight value in the kingdom of God? It's, it's not. Remember this. These are our last blanks. These are not magic words. But if someone sincerely prays this, sincerely understanding what they're doing, you can take an 8-year-old or a 7-year-old or a 58-year-old who doesn't know what they're doing, 
they understand what they're doing, Jesus will save them. Jesus will save them. Somebody tell me Romans 10, 13. Please. Jeremy, you know it. Reggie Hanchy to the rescue. <laughs> Thank you, Reggie. So, if Reggie, if, if we're leading somebody to pray, and they pray and call on Jesus to save them sincerely, Romans 10, 13 assures that, doesn't it? It does. I want to demonstrate real quickly how, how I do this with somebody. Alicia, come on up here. <laughs> Sorry. If I, if I made your mother, that would probably go poorly on me later. And you don't live in my house anymore, so. <laughs> okay. I've been talking to Alicia, and actually it was Alicia. I led Cindy to the Lord, and Cindy led Alicia to the Lord. Isn't that cool? And so Alicia and I, we've been talking. We've looked at scriptures, and I say, are you ready? Stand right here. Last week she went home. She goes, I looked big on the screen. I'm, and I said, oh, Lord, what did I look like? I didn't even want to look. If you look big. Okay. You're very pretty. Okay. I normally don't tell people that when I'm leading them to Christ. But. <laughs> this is my daughter, if you don't know, too. I'm not hitting on a strange woman with my wife sitting there. She is a strange woman, but... Um, Okay, so she's ready. She's, Alicia, are you ready to give your life to Christ? I'm ready. Okay. So I, I would tell her, I'd say, Alicia, I'm going to pray a prayer. My words aren't magic, but if you'll sincerely pray this to Christ in your heart, sincerely, he, he will save you. You want to do that? And I'll tell him, I'll say, look, you can pray out loud with me, or you can pray in your heart, whatever you want to do. You can just pray in your heart right now, okay? Then I would say, let's pray, and I would say, Jesus, I confess to you. I admit to you I'm a sinner. Do you want me to say that loud? No, you don't have to. We're faking this, remember. And I want, to, I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son. And that you died for me. And arose for me. Jesus, I commit my life to you. Come into my heart. Save me, Jesus. Amen. And then when we're done, I'll just normally ask them, I'll say, did you sincerely mean that? I mean, really. And not, not that you're questioning them, you know, because I, most of the time adults do understand and mean it. Did you mean that, Alicia? Then I'll, I'll point them to Romans ten thirteen, and I'll say, see here in my Bible, that for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Did you do that? Yes. You meant it. Is Jesus a liar? No. no. I'm betting my eternity that he's not. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Give Alicia a hand for being a guinea pig again. Okay, we're going we're gonna, to uh, pray in just a second. Right, after the, our, right before we close, we're going to get you a bookmark in just a second. But would you bow your heads with me? 
And tonight, uh, we're, we're not going to give a come forward invitation, but maybe you've never given your life to Christ, and, and you need to right now where you're seated. You, you need to ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask, him to, ask Jesus to save you now if he never has. Ask him to. Great thing about a witnessing training, a lot of times is it shows us our hearts. And you want to talk after church, I'd love to talk to you about that. As a Christian, ask God to help you be a soul winner. There's not much we do that will live on beyond us or live on eternally, but helping other people come to Christ will. Ask God to help you be that person. Jesus, I pray for my church family. I pray that that we will be people who lead others to you. We love you, and we praise your name, Jesus. Amen. Can I get uh, Josh, would you, uh, Wayne, maybe Kay just volunteered. Do we have bookmarks in the balcony, Clayton? Do you know? No? These are the Romans. Romans Road.